Welcome to the All In Remote Podcast, where we believe that companies can unlock their potential, build healthy resilience, and succeed in an increasingly volatile world. We'll explore the new challenges of leadership, best practices for developing culture and trust, and the innovative tools that help make it possible. Here's your host, Kendra Kinnison. For the first episode, we get to rewind all the way back to before allocations even existed. Today, we're talking with Kingsley Advani, CEO of Allocations, about how he assembled his core team and designed the business philosophy that would later shape the company. Welcome, Kingsley. It's so exciting to get to explore this story together. Thank you, Kendra. It's great to be on the show. So let's go way back, like we said, to before allocations even existed and talk about how you started assembling your core team. Sure, yeah. So remote has always been one of my core philosophies, and it dates back to before the company was founded. So I'd been working with Kendra remotely since 2016. Then in 2017, 2018, I started working with Luis, who's a legal advisor. And at the time, I was in Europe giving a talk at a conference, and there's no way I could have had a concrete office. And so I really needed to tap experts around the world remotely, and they weren't all centralized in one place. So after Luis, I started working with Nick in 2018, and Nick was my accountant and based in the US, and really great relationship. He'd been working remotely since 2012, so was really able to turbocharge some of my finances with Nick. Then Olio, who we brought on more recently, had been working remotely prior to allocation. So a lot of C-suite and directors had already been working remotely before allocations was started. It's beautiful to look at it in hindsight and realize that. I don't think any of us realized at the time what we were building. And I think back, you know, you and I used to talk every Sunday night for at least a couple hours to plan the week ahead. And I have to think that while we were purposefully planning the weeks ahead or the months ahead, we were also indirectly really laying the foundation for our later work together once you had the idea for allocations. Does it kind of feel like that to you too? Definitely. Back then, I wasn't in the US and I wanted to tap all of the experts in the US who had experience growing companies. So I was really fortunate to be able to tap experts around the world geographically remotely before the company was started. That's a great point. And I think you saw the power of that certainly long before I did, right? You even said, tap the talent or unlock the potential. Um, You realized that remote was the only way that you could have access to those folks. And that's certainly a core part of why we're remote at allocations. Talk about some of the other reasons that you think remote is so powerful. Definitely. Well, firstly, you have access to talent. Previously, with office environment, you'd have to get all of the local talent or convince people to move. But for a lot of our exec team, if you ask them to move, they'd say, hell no. And really, talent wants to live where they want to live. And with remote, we have opportunity to all connect into the internet and with tools like Slack, Google Drive, we're able to really work efficiently and have an access to talent. Also with that, we have diversity of perspectives. If we're building out a diverse platform, we don't want to have everyone in San Francisco, for instance, 
And we're fortunate, I think we're spread out across 21 states now, and I think three or four continents. So we really do have diversity baked into the team design. Secondly, speed of team building. We've gone from one person to 112 in under two years. For that speed of team building, it's pretty hard to do that in one centralized location, or at least you need to compromise on speed or talent. Also, resources on infrastructure. So we don't have to spend on a big office space. Instead, we can reinvest that money and more resources for our teams. It's funny that you say that. I know our accounting team from time to time has difficulty that we don't actually have a utility bill in our company name. So we're perhaps one of the largest companies I've ever seen without a utility bill in our name. But that's a great point. All of those resources that aren't going to big buildings and utilities are able to go straight to our teams and the wellness program and the other great benefits that we're able to offer to them. So you also mentioned about not being able to assemble folks in one location. You know, I think there's a thread here that I didn't realize until we really started exploring this topic together. And that's how being remote increases resilience of a company as well. Does that feel important to you too? Definitely. I mean, when you have a blackout in a city, if you have a decentralized team structure, the team will stay on. And so when we had a blackout in Texas, we had coverage in all of the other states. So we didn't skip a beat. And that will be increasingly important over the next decade to have decentralized team structures, especially if you have clients across multiple time zones. You're much more resilient and robust, and you're less prone to black swan events. That's such a great point. And again, I don't think I connected my own motivations or deep reasonings until we really dug into this. But I think my experience with Harvey, Hurricane Harvey, really shaped how passionate I am about the power of remote, both for the unlocking talent and potential that you mentioned, and also for avoiding some of the literal physical challenges that could strike a business if it were concentrated in one area. So it's such a great point. So let's talk about how do we define remote? You know, everyone throws in that word. It's used a lot, especially now post-COVID, but I think we had these same beliefs and tenants pre-COVID. COVID certainly maybe made the adoption of the tools a bit faster, but how do we think about remote? What are the major components when you describe a remote company or us being all in remote? What are the major components of that? Definitely. So I'd say there's five key pillars of being all in remote. So for us, firstly, it means being decentralized. So there's no headquarters or central hub. Secondly, cloud-based. So all of our documents and infrastructure exist online. This means that everything's easily accessible to the team and that we don't have a storage cupboard with a load of paperwork. It does make it interesting for regulations, though, too. For regulators that are built and designed for a world where things exist in our cabinets. These do present some challenges, but to you, it feels like it's absolutely worth it to go this route? Oh, definitely. We have such a you know, high speed, and because we're really building out the world's best, fastest private equity platform, we need to rely on speed, and the cloud allows us to operate with the fastest speed in the industry. Great point. Okay, what else is important? So prioritizing documentation, because... We have a remote team, we need to write stuff down. And this really eliminates black boxes, 
and phantom work. It really facilitates collaboration and more voices. So we really encourage the team to write stuff down. And this really helps us scale the team. So let's talk about black boxes. It's a term we use internally quite a bit. Maybe the most oh, yeah. famous one we call OBB, Olia's black box. But when we say a black box, what do you mean by that? Yeah, so it's usually when information is siloed in one place. So for example, let's say we're a law firm and we had a superstar lawyer that had an incentive to store everything in their head because they want to get promoted and it's not as much of a team sport and they're rewarded for that information arbitrage on the team. Whereas with a remote company, you have to eliminate silos. Everyone should have the same information. There shouldn't be people with information advantages. So it really means that, say, if that person goes out, there's someone else that knows how to do it. So that elimination of black boxes is really important, especially for all in remote. And it builds up resiliency and decentralization of information. So you said a key word there. I'd like to explore this a little more if you're up for it. You said team sport. So I think one of the things that really binds us as a leadership team is really a core belief that business is a team sport. Can you talk about that a little bit? Yeah, definitely. We've aligned the company so that we all win together. This is a real advantage for us because we're building out a big platform. We need all of the departments to work together. And we don't have things like big sales bonuses. We have If the company is doing well as a whole, we all benefit. There's no kind of silo of performance. So talking about documentation, one of the things that we learned at our retreats is how many introverts we have in the leadership team in particular, but I suspect throughout the company. Let's explore how really using documentation and using asynchronous communication can help us surface those voices of folks that may not feel comfortable speaking up in a crowded room, whether that's a Zoom room or an in-person room. How do you feel about that? Definitely. Writing definitely encourages diversity and it allows the voices that are less loud to really speak up and have their say. Previously in an office environment, you can have scenarios where the loudest voice wins. And in a remote environment, Really encouraging writing and documentation allows every voice to be heard. And what about transparency? I know it's a big value for you personally, and it's become a core value of us as a company. Do you feel like this contributes to that as well? Definitely. We're very transparent internally, and we're moving at breakneck speed. So we can't afford to have lack of transparency. So this is an important operating currency that really facilitates trust within the organization. And we've had to design our systems to really promote trust and transparency. So I know one of the things that we've started doing more and more of is just recording meetings. And it's interesting how that can change the dynamics of how folks participate in a meeting when they know it's being recorded and how it's okay for folks to miss a meeting because they know it's being recorded or even for us to watch historical meetings to see how our thinking on a subject has evolved. Definitely for all in remote, you want to be recording the meetings. We have multiple time zones, so not always everyone can make those meetings. And so we record our meetings so that everyone can participate and rewatch at their convenience. 
So you started talking about tools earlier. Let's dive into that a little bit more. What are some of the key tools, particularly in this facilitating collaboration that you think are particularly important and maybe even tools that we used early on that we don't use anymore? You know, we're probably on version three or version four of our toolkit. But what for folks that might be considering this, what are some of the first tools that you would recommend for, say, a small remote team, maybe 10 to 15 folks? Definitely. So firstly, Google Drive. We really started with this at the beginning for most things, and that's for work collaboration. So we use Google Sheets, we use Google Slides, we use Google Docs. We actually famously banned Microsoft Office at the beginning of the company. And simply, it didn't foster collaboration or transparency. It would encourage silos. You'd have Excel spreadsheets where they're out of date. You have to send them over email. So we banned Microsoft Office really from the start of the company. Google Drives allowed us to build cloud documentation, to iterate quickly and make sure all files are accessible to all. Secondly, we were early adopters of Slack. So as a communication platform, Slack has enabled a very remote company to communicate in a fast way with different channels. We have gotten better over time at understanding the nuances of Slack as well. And we really have optimized it to have great communication within the company. And thirdly, we use Airtable. So this is a super-powered spreadsheet and database that has enabled us to really scale our internal systems quickly. It's given us a real system across department to build out world-class systems. Great point. Yeah, we'd be lost without those. And I do remember the early days as an accountant, we've got to be pretty slow adopters of technologies like Slack. But I was convinced early on after using it just a bit, how powerful it really was. When we look at the task management tools, and I may have them out of sequence, but I think we were Trello and then Asana and then Monday. And now our project management teams and our engineering teams use Hive. We use Notion quite a bit. Do you want to talk about what a game changer really Notion has been for us? Definitely. Notion has enabled us to really organize our internal documentation. And we've been using it really well and efficiently. In terms of the project management software, Kendra had like a good quote early on that. We don't really care too much what people use for task management as long as they get the task done. A lot of these tools as well, it's really whatever works for each manager. So if they're using Trello or Asana or Hive, really, we don't care too much. Great point. We're firm in a few areas and firm with our intent, but a little more relaxed with the how each team achieves that. That's a great point. And Um, one other point on that is that the tools evolve. Every few months, the tools advance and you get better tools. So We've been very flexible. We haven't stuck to one system. We've evaluated new alternatives and just as we continue to scale, we can upgrade to different tools as well. That's such a great point. And really one of the major themes that I think we can share with folks on the podcast is how they can just get started with what will work for now and trust that they can iterate and evolve. So that iteration really is something that I think is innate to you and that many of us embraced, maybe not as wholeheartedly as you did, but we certainly something we've adopted as a company that served us well in all kinds of areas. So back to how we think about remote, if we had to define it per se, 
to encourage diversity. I know that's a big one for us and diversity in all kinds of ways. Definitely. So I would say half of our team is pretty diverse and we really encourage that for us to build out diverse products. We need to have a diverse team. So we have diverse geographies, diverse phases of life, diverse backgrounds, and it really enables us to think from different perspectives and really have unique viewpoints, which is important when we're building out democratized products for the world. Such a great point. I know this hit home in a few different examples for me, a few stories. I remember when we were doing some salary comparisons for our engineering team, we subscribed to a service that would help us get that information. And to get the data, we had to pick a position and then you had to pick a tier of a city. And for some of our positions, if we picked anything other than tier one, which I think for that software was say, you know, San Francisco and New York City and things like that, there literally was no salary data for those positions as if to say that perhaps those jobs didn't exist outside of those cities. I thought that was pretty powerful. Definitely. Yeah. We have helped different members of our team help to get into tech company. A lot of them hadn't been in a tech company before. I would say 100% of our team is diverse. Exactly. Yeah, Yeah. I think that's a great point. Even the folks that maybe came from fintech joined us because they really believe in the mission and in opening private equity or the investment markets altogether to more folks than just the elite. So you talked about also hiring different backgrounds. We've had a few fun trends emerge from this as well. We noticed we had quite a few folks from the hospitality field that have joined us and gone on to do really well. You know, perhaps that ability to really think on your feet and handle conflict. If you can handle a retail customer, certainly anything that we might navigate would feel pretty easy. It's been interesting to see what other fields we've been able to have concentrations of team members come from. Definitely. We have an interdisciplinary team and you know our folks that have worked in restaurants are really good at operations and they're used to like a breakneck speed. So there's a lot of different industries that we have experience in from our teams that really have prepared us well for our high volume clients that really focus on speed, on proactiveness and trust and transparency. So we really have a great team for our clients. And I remember when we were building out team members specifically for, I'll call it crisis management, but really it's more proactive than that. It's hardening ourselves to prevent crisis and certainly be at the ready in the event one were to occur. But I remember you had some ideas about pulling from other industries where the stakes were really high, that if a business were to go offline in certain industries, it's a big deal. Definitely. We started thinking about resiliency in our systems and We thought, why not pull some people from oil and gas where if the system goes offline, it can be catastrophic. So we were able to bring in experts from crisis management to be able to protect us and prepare us for potential catastrophic events, but that we're very proactive and prepared in in a case where something like that were to happen. And I remember making sure, again, it happened by accident, but then when we noticed the trend, we added to it a bit, but military veterans folks that had to have experience in really intense situations. Definitely, yeah. We have a bunch of vets on the team and they help us to be proactive and really handle anything that's thrown at us. Great point. Okay, so if we're recapping how our definition of all-in-remote exists today, 
evolved a bit, but I would say pretty much the core tenants of it existed way back in those conversations, you know, 2016, 2017, 2018, when we were shaping as a core team, not yet sure of exactly what the project would be. You talked about decentralized, really making sure there's not a single place that's particularly vulnerable. Would that be one way we could summarize that? Same with the cloud-based, that all of the infrastructure of the company is distributed and protected, prioritizing documentation, encouraging diversity. And now let's talk about flexibility with location and timing, because I think we somewhat meet in the middle on this one. We're not as flexible as some folks that are remote, but we certainly have a higher degree of flexibility than a bank or a financial institution, perhaps. Definitely. We have geographic coverage. And so we're able to be quite flexible with location. So we have folks in Africa where they don't have to be on every single meeting, but it adds another diverse perspective for our products and it gives us more time zone coverage. So when the folks are waking up, they would have already had their full day and gives us a chance to really meet our clients' needs, especially when our clients are on multiple time zones. Great point. So for us now, I would say our core hours really are, let's say, 8 a.m. Eastern time to 6 p.m. Pacific time. Quite a broad range. And certainly it's helped to have our team spread out throughout the U.S. And then, as you said, having team members in Europe and Asia and Africa has added to that that perspective and talent pool. And then when we have needed to be able to work around the clock from time to time, is provided us that benefit as well. All right. So if we're summarizing this for folks listening, zero to 10, how passionate are you for the future of work that remote ought to be something that companies should give some serious thought to? Definitely 10 out of 10. We're fortunate to be early adopters of remote. And for the next 100 years, things are going to be remote. We are fortunate to be on the forefront of it and writing the playbook on all in remote. So we hope many other companies can learn from us as they design their remote teams. Great point. And I think that's one of the goals for us for this podcast is to somewhat show our work and share our journey, share how we thought about it really before we were born and how we think about it now as a team of just over 100 folks and how I'm sure we'll continue to evolve our thinking on it as we continue to grow. Well, Kingsley, thanks so much for being open to this conversation and sharing with folks how we began and where we're headed. I sure appreciate it. I've enjoyed it and I know other folks will as well. Thanks, Kendra. 